Hi, I'm Lee Kelly, and this is That Moment Podcast, where you share stories of the moments your life changed. Today I'm talking with a very courageous Sarah Mills about her death experience. Three years ago, Sarah was out for a paddleboard adventure down the Clutha River in Wanaka, New Zealand. She fell off at the mouth of the river and her board leash and board became tangled in the chain of a speed buoy. The relentless current of the river kept her face down under the water as she underwent a terrifying struggle for her life. Sarah died and experienced a visit to another place or dimension. This is her raw and honest account of that day, of dying, of feeling very alive elsewhere, and then the traumatic re-entry into her body after a gruelling fight by friends and paramedics to bring her back. When I asked you a few days ago, what shall I call it? Is it a near-death experience or an out-of-body experience? And this is what you said, and I really, really liked it. You said, I don't really connect with the word near. I feel I did die. It was a death experience. It's, it's very emotional, isn't it? I'm feeling it. And it's, it's, it's a very big story, but it's of value to other people. And there will be people that will just be so grateful that you've had the courage today to share this, because I know it's big for you. <laughs> the, the day in question, the day we're talking about, Anzac Day 2018, I, we, I was with a group of friends quite a large group of friends and we were uh, paddleboarding down the Clutha River. I came off my paddleboard um, in a calm area, not rapids, and next to a boy marking a five knot area and somehow I ended up on one side of the boy and my paddleboard on the other with the leg rope tethering both of us to the chain that's the the gist of the story uh i guess you'll get me into the nitty gritties of it but i fought for a while didn't i suppose i was gonna say didn't succeed in my fight but i i suppose i did actually but i didn't succeed in my fight and ended up dying and floating and (laughs) maybe so when you fell off, did your, you were held under the water by the, the force of the current, pulling yeah. the board one way and, and... Yeah, so it was like I was paddling along next to my dear friend and we were chatting. So I have a kind of a, a bit of blank amnesia, which I understand is normal, to understand how I went from chit-chatting, standing happy, to suddenly in the most dire terror. That, um, it was, I was not above the water, I was under the water, so one leg was tethered, my stomach was facing the bottom of the river, so I was that way, and so I had to force myself to be able to get up above the surface to get a breath, and uh, at the beginning I was kind of forcing myself up and screaming, for help. A couple of times tried to turn over to see if I could uh, uh, get my leg rope off. I don't, I can't remember the cumex of the Clutha River but it's fairly sizably fast, swift even though it looks calm on the top and so the times that I did turn over to try and undo myself or even realising that screaming for help I could feel my life ebbing away my energy ebbing away more as I tried to rescue myself I suppose I knew I I, I knew it didn't look good did you have a moment where you thought I'm I'm dying oh I knew I yes yeah (laughs) I I guess all the time actually I, I, I knew I was on my I knew it wasn't I could feel that I was probably facing that reality I know the instant that I realized that was going to happen but there were uh, there was so many heroes in this story but and I don't want to put one above the other Um, I recently said that the biggest hero was myself so I'm just trying to figure all of the pieces of that puzzle but 
it was a lovely person, Chris, on, on the jet ski. And he came, there was a few people who tried to swim over to me to get me, but he came past once and I saw his foot disappear once. This was actually after a wee bit of my fighting, but after I saw his foot disappear, I realised that if he couldn't get me, then nobody would be able to. Um, out of the corner of my eye on the other side, I did see what I now know as Shannon flying past me, trying to get at me as well. It was just nobody could swim against that current. What were the thoughts going through your mind at that time? I guess initially is primal, get another breath. Get another breath, Sarah, get another breath. And that wasn't just, um, I wasn't above the water, so I had to fight to get up there to get another breath. So if I'm a hero, then I, the reason I uh, was being a hero was for my children. Um, They were in the forefront of my mind every time I forced myself up to get a breath. So they are my heroes as well. Mm. Mm. Uh, they were that was that was I think my sole focal point was my connection to them every every bubble and bit that was happening in front of me is there a point where you gave up or surrendered um the point where I knew that it was over <laughs> when it all changed um yes that was when I saw the jet boat sorry I don't mean jet boat I mean the jet ski float away from me yeah that was the first time knowing that if a jet ski couldn't get to me then I don't think this is all conscious but I knew that was it really and so that was where my fight my light went out my fight gave up Chris I know now in hindsight that was he he had to get back on his jet ski and then circle back to me the second time, which I was unaware of. Um, I was floating at that stage. Um, the second time, he wanted to see if he could get, tried to get the the, the um, paddleboard around the boy, and that didn't work. Floated off, and on the third time, he managed to stay there and cut the leg rope. But consciously, I only know of him being there at the first time, so. I was floating um, face down some time between the first and the third time he got to me. Okay, and at that point you had actually left left your body. Mm. Okay. So how, and then I'd like to talk obviously about what happened then, (laughs) but I just want to sort of think about time frames here. So Mm -hmm. you were floating down for a good couple of minutes, two or three, four, and then they then took your body, Mm -hmm. they they managed to take your body, what happened Um, next? So in that time he had got um, another girl onto the back of his jet ski or she got on and they hauled my um, body onto the jet ski and took it to the side of the river. Um, There is no, there was no beach there. It was all just sort of bushed down to the river. So when they did start CPR they had actually put me on a paddleboard and the head was sort of stuck onto the um, onto the side of the river but my feet were on the paddleboard in the water so a lot of people had started to surround the um, paddleboard and hold it steady while Laurie and Dan uh, started um, CPR. How long was CPR administered to you? Um, if you know that. Yeah, yeah. so... They can really only guesstimate because everybody's in wetsuits. <laughs> I don't know. I wasn't obviously there, but I don't. But I wasn't there, but I think that there was just a lot of panic. So I don't know if anybody actually recorded any times. I do know that there was no cell phone reception where we were. So someone had um, got a cell phone from a walker on the path next to the river and they had run up the forest or the bushes to the road they say 15 minutes I don't mm. know uh, ambulance that's the ambulance alarm goes off the fire engine came oh, they had and they had to run 
along the river with the all of the stuff. So we were a good we, we were sort of a good way down the river. Yeah, uh, I did see an estimation of how many rounds of CPR he must have done, but um, yeah, I think people estimate it was something like fifteen minutes. But mm. I have no idea. So you were out of your body, mm-hmm. having a death experience for quite a long time. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So let's go back to that point of you dying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what can you remember from from you know what's your earliest recollection of that moment you really surrendered and, and felt yourself die? It's strange now because I I have mixtures of things from this real real life now sort of mixing those experiences up instantly my I wanted to jump in with the word guilt but that came later on in that instance of change I suppose and I suppose firstly I would like to sort of clarify my experience a little bit um because uh this is real to me um this is my memories of it whether it's a neurological explosion of my brain dying in those moments and the um, flashes of light and experiences are just physiological experiences in my brain, it's not for me to say, but I had memories while that was happening. So really what you're asking me is what were my memories in that experience? Yeah, I can't speak as a brain surgeon or brain knower. But, okay, so my experiences of that moment are um, the first thing that happened was that I heard my father and he was saying, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. Um, He wasn't close, but I could hear him saying that. And then I... Had he already died? Oh, yeah. He was, he was, yeah, uh, yeah, Um, okay. 2000, so some years before. Uh, I suppose instantly my memory is I'd been in a place of terror, uh, unimaginable terror and fighting for every everything I had really. Um, everything had gone into my fight. I now know that when it happens all your body shuts down so I had you know, my liver had shut, started shutting down. Everything was shutting down to give myself energy just to survive. So um, my brain, had, my body had done everything it could to survive. When I changed my survival, when I um, went into living in a different split place for a little minute, I was completely in bliss absolute bliss um yeah is that a bliss you've ever felt before living here on earth no 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 um I yeah I said before that I was changed my living and why I say it like that is because you know we don't have the words I suppose but we call it afterlife and um, what I just really feel now or I felt or I learnt in that moment was that, uh, <laughs> that, that actually there is life, that is life, uh, this is living, <laughs> that is life. So if I said, did you still feel like you're alive? Oh, um, you felt like you felt I was with that life. was living. Yeah, yeah, it was with life. That was, it was this is sort of living. This is well. I don't know. These are. I can't say that sure, this is what it is. <laughs> but my feeling would be that that is life, and we have this life inside of us that makes us able to live. If that makes sense in our English in our language. Did you feel disconnected from? Did you feel you were out of your body? Oh yeah. You that, couldn't feel your body. Oh no 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 no. no. Okay. Um, no, because I mean I know you'll get me there, but. Um, Coming back to my body was a fairly disgusting kind of um, no 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 and that's the, there again I go to my guilt for not wanting to come back but certainly felt that I this at that time this 
vessel to walk around in is meat. Oh, that was my words at the time. I didn't want to convert it back to that piece of meat. Okay. <laughs> so as you left your body and you mm. felt this amazing feeling of bliss that's not even that's not even the right word no. there's no words that's we right. don't have any words for this feeling did you people often talk about their afterlife experiences and they go towards a light or they're in a tunnel and they they see people that have died before them mm-hmm. you heard your father mm-hmm. so was there light did you go towards a light or did you just mm-hmm. find yourself in another dimension how, how what was that oh, next no. step no so, um i um yeah, I travelled. Um, I travelled. I, I heard his voice, but I wasn't... I, I don't know how to explain it, but I didn't feel near to it. Um, and so I had. I travelled to be closer to them. Um, it, they, the thing, <laughs> life. Um, the collaboration of them. Um, so I had to travel to get to them was it light yes it was but not light Mm. I suppose when people are always trying to express um, don't walk towards the light or something like that um, again it's language and I think um, so much um, that we experience or that, that I experienced Again, I want to do earmarks there. It's <laughs> um, all part of language, and it just doesn't sort of encompass um, the feeling. Doesn't resound in the words. So yes, it was light, but it wasn't light for me. Like um, like a light you turn on or something bright. It was uh, energy, something like energy. Okay, and you talked about them. Mm. They mm. did you feel a group of mm. Mm. I don't know what to call them. <laughs> no, not the energy way. sources, um, spirits, yeah, souls, all of that. Okay, I suppose um, throughout my um, journey on this earth, I have um, studied and searched and read and studied and searched and um, been on a journey of. Um, what one might call a spiritual journey of life that's sort of I think what I like to do <laughs> and um, I have um, resonated with a lot of different um, I suppose you call them religions it's hard to take out um, what you want to call <laughs> the place um, Christianity might call it heaven um, Christianity might call it God um, all the different religions and things might call it something different. So, again, um, I stumble against language. And um, because I'd done so much of spiritual searching, I had sort of, I feel a little bit left myself open when I got back to not being able to actually know the the descriptive name of who or what to think. And why I say all of that is because when I say them and it, um, where I went, I suppose I'd had this idea of what I believe, uh, uh, we'll call it God, what I believed um, heaven might, or afterlife might be like. It, Not that it didn't match up, but it just wasn't quite like what I sort of thought it was going to be. What was it like then? <laughs> sort of like a cup. Oh, it's really hard to describe, but sort of like all of these drips of energy in in a, let's call it a vessel or something like that. So I could tell each individual drop was still an essence of... Um, the pers- the the energy that I'd known in living, they were they were individual, but they were also a collective. Were they distinct beings? Could you see them? Were they not, in- not see? Um, not see. 
sense might be another word. Um, uh, so there weren't people in white robes uh, floating around? Oh, no, not faces and things, just knowledge that that was um, that energy and that was that energy and that was that energy. Um, it wasn't just energies of hum- human form either. Um, there were energies I know of animal forms that I had connected to in my previous living moments. So you could sense them oh, yeah. like a dog you had once mm. or, okay, they were there. Yep. Mm. And I don't know, you can't, it's again, language. Um, it's it's not like somebody was in front of someone, so someone was, uh, or they were in a big line, so someone was further away than me than someone. Nobody was closer or further away. It was, and that's where I have to say it or they were just a collective of energy. Mm. So when you you mention the word God, or we mm. could call it source energy or whatever term you want to put to that, uh, uh, I guess a, a leader or a... <laughs> no. Is there a sense, was there a sense of that, that there was someone in charge? Someone that the, the collective deferred to or that was the, the main person that you dealt with? No. If you dealt with anybody? <laughs> no is my instant answer. However... The collective was exactly that. It was a collective. So it wasn't, even though I could feel all of those energies, they were all the collective. You know, you call it um, energy source. You, you mentioned the word energy source and um, in Christianity they call it God, Yahweh. What, what, what you might study, I th- again, I'm only me, I can't say it, but potentially... What I mean is that that those energies are the collective, and yes, they are there with purpose. Uh, the purpose, uh, one of the purposes, was obvious: is they weren't going to let me in, so to speak. In, okay, <laughs> describe that. Um, into where? I was gutted. Into the collective. Did they speak, or was it all? Yeah. You could hear no, voices. No, no, it was, no, no. no. It was... They communicated. Okay. Uh, yes, speak. In my, in my, beginnings, I could hear. Um, come here, I, you know, not come to me, but I'm here. Um, I'm here, uh, which is, I guess, collectively, you're safe or you're protected. Um, you're, you're, you're right. Communicated, hundred um, percent. Spoken to, at this stage I have not uh, delved into that knowledge of things. I'm still learning a lot about um, what happened and what is happening to me. Mm. I have a we have a funny little story in my um, f- family because my son really loves bacon and so and I quite like a coffee. So I would describe it to my friends as that I could smell the coffee, but they wouldn't let me have a cup. I explained it to George because he likes bacon. I could smell the bacon, but I wasn't allowed to have any. And so now they have a joke that heaven smells of bacon, but it's not quite that. It's just that um, it was, it was, I, I, I was absolutely gutted. I wasn't allowed to go and be with them. Mm. And why weren't you? You have to ask them. Um, I. Well, how uh, did you know this? Were you? I uh, couldn't get. Uh, were you in a different place? Could no, you, no, I was right mm. there with them. Um, a description that we might know. It was sort of like being on a bungee bridge thing. There was no way anyone was going to push me back to my body, or back away from them. So potentially, if I lurked there longer. I might have been allowed to be part of the collective, but I, uh, at that stage, there was no, it wasn't like a barrier, but I just wasn't part of them yet. I had to, I guess, <laughs> I, I, I was going to say I turned around and that's when I probably started seeing back on earth, but I, it felt a lot longer than that. There was... Is they did a whole lot of things, um, not a whole lot. It, 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 to me, it felt like there was a lot of bits and pieces that they um, did um, 
imparted stuff to me that I, well, I'm blessed because of. Yeah. Mm. Can you share those? Can you remember those? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and yes, again, it's uh, these are sort of my experiences. So uh, I, uh, it could be like reading into a dream, or Freud might have some fun, just sort of saying, "Oh, well, that's this, or that's this." But um, um, they are my reality. So um, some of the things. <laughs> I was put in a cape of moss. It felt like that. Um, uh, Covered in a cape of moss. Um, (laughs) You'll have to ask (laughs) an expert about butterflies. Um, But yes, there were butterflies all around of me. And I had flowers by the collective placed in my hair wisdoms the little bits that I garnered from that are um, daily um, are still um, coming to me um, along my journey of living back in this body Hmm. did they give you a choice of staying or going? oh yeah Mm. Um, that's what I was saying about the no one was going to I wasn't going to get shunted back there but I I wasn't yet um, absorbed into the they how did they how was that choice presented to you time I think I think which sounds strange but I think I was there for quite a long time it felt while I was um, surrounded and gifted with um, the the blessings of that I was gifted with um, I think um, time although that's not the right word but time was um, what I was given to make that choice uh, it's not a, it wasn't a conscious choice um oh I must go back there because I didn't want to go back there even though and that's that's the survivor guilt thing even though I had fought for everything I had to be with my children um I did return with this horrible guilt of um going for a while without wanting to be back with them so uh and that's just a piece of um, being there, I suppose. Hmm. It didn't matter any longer. It was just, it, you know, it was just love and they would be, yeah, no. Is there anything else that you'd like to share about your experience out of your body in that place with the collective that you think would be of value, maybe? Or that was profoundly uh, kind of surprising to you now when you think about it my takeaway piece (laughs) my um, nugget is that that is life it is not afterlife but that is life and so I just feel that um, somehow and I haven't in my searchings yet and I haven't really got the language yet but somehow I feel that we are like all angels walking around in bodies. We're here to experience, or we are experiencing living um, here with this spark that is life. Something like that. Hmm. I like it. (laughs) I like it. We're all angels and... Human form. That's just my feelings. I'm not great. (laughs) Yeah. So let's talk about you moving or going back into your body, Mm -hmm. and you're there with your cloak of moss and Mm -hmm. your butterflies. (laughs) And at that point, when they'd cloaked you up and butterflied you, were you very conscious? Were you aware that you were going back? Had you? Oh no, that was still all part of it. Uh, That was also part of that time. Um, When I went back um 
Like, could you see your body from above? Like when I went back, I did. Okay, so um, there was a period of travel again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a and a, and a tethering. Um, I think that was the tethering was when I left it because I was just wanting to get away from it, and I was tied to it still. So when I went back... Um, Did you always feel that tether, even when no, you, that no, tether no. went, when mm-hmm. you went to the place of the collective? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so going back to the physical body, I believe <laughs> it had already started decaying, um, the body. Uh, it wasn't pleasant to think about it. I felt it was all being eaten by ants. Potentially now when I analyse it a bit that could have been the ants could have been the people all doing CPR on me but to me it had already started to deteriorate so it wasn't really necessarily a pleasant thing that I really wanted to go back to and obviously I did. (laughs) Do you remember that moment of going back into your body? There's a lot, a lot of um, unpleasantness that I remember. So I would say, in a way, yes, but not like you'd imagine, oh, I just cloaked myself in human flesh again. It was, um, uh, and I'm still working, <laughs> I'm still um, understanding um, a lot of that darkness that was there. Because if there was terror when I left, uh, there was also terror when I arrived back. But those were sort of human physical things. The bliss that I'd had and then this realisation that um, I was uh, going back to the meat, <laughs> the, 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 the vessel, it really there's a lot of unpleasantness that I'm still sort of not buried but I'm still working through so there's a lot of darkness in there um a lot of uh, trapped in rabbit holes a lot of being pecked at um there's there's a lot of sort of bits of darkness that I'm still working through on that so um yeah I guess for me the there's a there's a moment that I knew I was alive and that was sometime after actually I people who were there um, said to me oh, afterwards, "Oh, all I could hear myself was screaming." And so another person said to me, "All I could hear myself was screaming." So I think it, it wasn't a necessarily nice, calm environment where my body was. There was um, absolute panic. You know, um, they cut my wetsuit off. I was being absolutely—I was going to say violated because that's part of my journey. But as I—I I was being a the physical body was being attacked to to make it live again, so it wasn't um, a nice spot. <laughs> so my moment of knowing I was alive um, came quite a bit later. They had paramedic had arrived with the zippy zap um, electric shock things. Um, he'd given me a injection to make myself vomit, and so I suppose they got. Uh, this is all not known at the minute. Um, they got me onto a gurney and an ambulance had arrived so they had carried me up off the river and up the bank and onto the um, walkway and that's when he might have given me the thing because I think my first actual memory is leaning over and, and vomiting but my actual knowledge of life was when I was it was a lot longer than that so they ran me along the walkway with this thing um, was when I was in the ambulance and Shannon got into the ambulance um, another dear hero of the story and she got into the ambulance and held my hand and people must have touched me but just holding her hand I knew that I was alive that was the moment of back to life for me um, Mm. with with knowledge that I was going to live even though there was a whole lot of raft of things that happened after that was terrifying, but um, that was the moment of being back alive, as we know it. And how was that for you? What was your, was there a feeling of 
jubilation. Um, yeah, relief or <laughs> not at that stage. Mm. Um, I was alive. Um, the, then the then there was the. I suppose I was alive. I just didn't know that I was at that stage. Sorry, I didn't at that stage know that I was actually going to live. I suppose that might be the right thing because um, I still had to. You know, they still were flying around working on me. I got in a helicopter. The helicopters are inside one of those helicopters is like being inside a computer. You're hooked up to this inside computer. It doesn't feel calm. <laughs> and then flown to Dunedin Hospital. And then again, I, I don't know that I was... I know I was not nurtured at Dunedin Hospital. Really, uh, I... It took days to know that I was taking a long, long time to know that I am living. I suppose was the right word. Um, uh, and I, uh, it's not a uh, when I say I wasn't nurtured at the hospital. Um, I wasn't even admitted into the hospital. I was there for under eleven hours. Um, I had just had that experience. I'd arrived naked. Um, they told me my mother and brother happened to be in Dunedin, but I'd been told that if they hadn't been, they would have put me on a bus. So the thing about the accident that I've had is that the percentage of people who come back from a drowning is like under 5% or something. Uh, CPR, you know, it's not like on the movies. Nobody really, there's no pamphlets that people give you after an accident like that. Here's a pamphlet, this is this all thing. And... And my doctor had, when I started seeing back to Wanaka, um, she had said to me that there is no guidelines on this for me. Um, I have to um, figure this out on my own a little bit, you know, um, and I still am doing that uh, along the way because um, you can reach out to support groups, to support group who have the experiences that I had had have had um I just haven't actually found that yet <laughs> are there any in the world <laughs> yeah maybe I I'm sure but I just haven't found them and because I've oh, not story but I have gone off all sort of social networks um funnily enough those are the places that you search out for support groups so I, I may go back there but at the minute I haven't found that but I have got support my doctor told me um I'm writing the book of the new normal for me, so I suppose what I really want, would have liked, or still want, maybe, I don't know, would have liked to know was that it, it's all normal what's happening to me. So what is happening to you? That would be my question. Okay, if you, I was going to say, jumping, jumping, you're jumping, yeah. jumping around there. Um, so I suppose from, for example, from the um, CPR, it's really normal to break crack your sternum, crack ribs, which is all what I did, obviously, obviously, but that is what I happened. What doesn't always happen is that your hero who's giving you CPR is so determined to bring you back to life that my sternum completely shattered and I'd gone back to work three months after the accident and at six months I had my first MRI on my chest because it was still hurting and my sternum had been so shattered that the bones weren't able to fuse so I had bits and pieces sort of not no longer attached and I, I realised that was it wasn't just sight trauma that was causing the pain it was actually <laughs> pain that was causing the pain so I have had to wait six months after that discovery to get a titanium plate put down my sternum so in that six months I uh, that I was waiting for that operation I went into some language used the word depression there's a lot more than that that went on but yeah so that was that sort of took my accident I suppose from being just a um just a need a death a death experience from just a death experience to also having a year of connected to some painful trauma physically which then enabled me to get um through ACC a a support person who um, felt that seeing a neurosurgeon would help me. So I was very fortunate to be able to see a neurosurgeon and a psychologist 
uh, sorry, not neurosurgeon, neuropsychologist and a psychologist at the same time. So she helped me really understand what was happening inside of my brain because um, on top of uh, the physical, well, I suppose it's physical, but what one can see, I also got hypoxia, uh, brain injury from um, lack of oxygen. Mm. Also, when you... Uh, die your body shuts down all the organs inside of you so that your brain keeps living so I actually had to sort of uh, I started off with no liver no internal lot of not lot of um, internal functions weren't working and I had to um, strengthen all of those up as well wow sorry I've asked, I haven't answered your question I can't no that's, this is great this is <laughs> this is it's been a, been a big transition back into yeah, it's still living. It's still really, really yeah. is actually. To be fair, and how long ago? Well, three years, four mm-hmm. years, three years. Okay. So I then guess... I have that year of um, of uh, waiting for surgery, really, and then healing from surgery. So I think that um, I almost say two years because I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I needed to do all of that. But yes, three and a bit years from the actual accident down the river. Other things have you noticed about yourself that have changed since you've come back? Like, is it, are you more sensitive to, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, yep. energy or other beings or, an, I don't know, animals, anything mm. else that's, I mean, you're talking about insects. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I do see um, energies. And they're not just in things that um, have a heart beat. Um, blades of grass, flaxes, um, leaves. I can see the translucencies in the energies of um, that. Not even things that have a life force. Um, rocks. Other things that are inanimate, I can feel connection to them. I believe. <laughs> my, my, my experience is that I can feel... Um, a connection to them. I was going to say for some reason birds especially, but no, I don't know that that is just the case. Um, I'm really fortunate where I live. I live quite simply, humbly, in a small environment, but in a large, uh, uh, small home, but in a large um, space of land. And so I am fortunate to be surrounded by nothing but the sounds of nature, really. Um, and so uh, maybe that offers me the opportunity to um, sit and be with the brightness of that which surrounds us more than that which we build to surround us, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, um, I do feel strangely that I can I commune with animals, <laughs> Um, birds will come really close to me. And there are a lot of rabbits where I uh, live, so uh, I actually can sit and rabbits will come quite close to me, uh, very close. Bugs, I am amazed by um, the tiniest of bugs. <laughs> um, things like that. It, it really touches me. <laughs> I don't know why, because, you know, we just... I kill blowflies. And, <laughs> yeah, I can know. sit and... Um, Do you like blowflies mm-hmm, now? Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, a lot of people will ask me, am I meditating? And as of yet, um, that hasn't, through other reasons, that hasn't, I haven't formulated the time for that to happen. I think one of the things that I would answer to that question, however, is that I... I naturally meditate. Um, I will, as with the rabbits, for example, I will go and sit uh, next to a rock close where I live and um, I will sit there until I can get, say, three or four rabbits close to me. And so that is, if you want to get rabbits close to you, you have to really um, slow down a lot to be still. They don't like a lot of movement. And so when you say blowflies, um, I can, um, you might use the word meditate, but I 
can sit and look at the colours on the back of a fly and be amazed by the hair on it and the reflections in its um, eye coverings or whatever they are. <laughs> I haven't done that yet. But, um, yeah, it, it does. It fascinates me. Um, it, it absorbs me, I suppose is the word, is seeing you can almost, if you sit really still, you can almost see grass growing. And I know that's one of those cliches in life, but <laughs> maybe cliches are there for reasons, you know. Mm. If you sit really still, you can... You can notice some stuff. It's beautiful. And so if you were to compare that to the Sarah <laughs> before. Oh, I think I was still like that. I mean, not not quite the mm. intensity, but um, uh, I have been fortunate in my life to connect with what you might have described as the source or um, my ch- because I didn't have the right words, the kids and I would often call it the big cheese, but the energy that is, you know. So I have searched that. It's more the, and, and spent time sitting in silence in that. Uh, it's just that now I feel it's not just observing. Now I am connected. Uh, that's maybe what the difference mm-hmm. is. When when the um, twoies are flipping around me or the bell, when the bellbird comes and have a bath above me and I'm gutting and I can... It, I go and have showers with them because he, well, they, they flap the water over top of me and I stand underneath them and it's, and they flap water over me as in a shower and I, I, I am connected with them, you know. I, I know I talk to them, but, <laughs> and so they are curious of me, but I do feel connected. Mm. And is that a similar feeling to what you had when you were with the collective? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get those. Uh, those are really lovely moments to be connected back to that 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 they that that energy. And you don't get it. You maybe get it once a day or something like that. But you, it's not. It's not my. I, I'm back to being <laughs> what I call a real human. You know, I I do my best at pretending to be a real human a lot more often now, and it is a, a work in progress. Do you feel like you don't quite fit in anymore? What's harder to play at being the real human? Mm, I have downsized my life a lot. I, like I said, I have, at the minute I'm off networks. And one of my learnings is, I think, uh, if I'm allowed to use a Maori word, they, they say tanga, which is like a um, community or a tribe. Uh, collective again I have brought my tribe in close really (laughs) not like I'm having I don't think I have troubles with the reality of the world because I've changed what how I interact within that reality of the world Mm, it's not it's a lot more surrounding me rather than spread out and I think that's maybe one of the, again, like having had all of this beautiful teachings from wonderful, wonderful professionals and knowledgeable people, I think it's a bit like lockdowns and um, what we're going through at the moment as humanity because we are, it is, we are, we are, we we thrive more, I, th- I believe anyway, in, in smaller um, communities smaller um, tribes around us Mm. so what next Um, for you Sarah well I suppose like I'm I'm way still only um, learning where I'm at in all of this Uh, I guess on top of all of my other bits and pieces I have uh, it's it's called post-traumatic stress what have you and I use it as a disorder but maybe I don't really like that word either because it's a blessing but I suppose one of the things that we do as humankind is we, 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 we cliche again, we put things under a carpet. So we, we carry on. And when we get a really large trauma, as far as I understand, when we get a really large trauma, our carpet's whipped away. And so all of those traumas that I've put under my carpet are now just kind of floating all around and so uh, that I've had 
growing up uh, thus far. At the minute I am working on ironing some of my traumas out that are in front of me because yeah what happens also with an accident I have when you go into such horror you end up with the flight fight you know learning and so if I sort of step into a pothole or um, something turns around I get a fright it's actually a physical pain throughout my whole body an alarm, a dog barking, all of those sorts of things um, are actual physical reactions in me. So my my journey at the minute is to continue to learn to live with these new things that are physical as a real human, I suppose. Mm. Are you afraid of dying again? <laughs> or dying one day? Are you afraid of death? Afraid isn't, uh, mm-hmm. is not not the word I'd use uh, at all. You know, in my low moments, I go, oh, I just want to be back there. I suppose my answer is no. I, If I say I look forward to it, it's not about self-harm or something. Mm-hmm. I am really pleased to be here, looking into the eyes of birds and, and f- seeing my children change and grow is amazing. I don't want to leave that. <laughs> But I don't, I don't, I don't fear not being with them any longer. I think that might be the right word. I, I relish the moments that I am here, and I look forward to being part of that energy again. Mm. I think that feels like a really good place to end today. What do you think? Not for you. Um, thank you so much. Thank you, your story is really. Given me a lot of hope. Yeah. It's made me think about what I can do in my own life to slow down and appreciate. Oh, I appreciate that to keep living is is hard, mm-hmm. and that I think you're doing a really you, fabulous job of working through whatever you need to mm. to keep living with joy, which is what I'm seeing on your face right now. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So, thanks so much, Sarah. Thank you, Lee.